0: to week two of Gold, Frankincense, and Merle surviving your crazy family this Christmas, uh, it may just only be me. I mean, maybe it is just me that has some family members that are uh, seem to be a little off-center. Uh, it, it might be the uh, crazy uncle, or it may be not even a family member, it may be a co-worker. And uh, it may be Merle, it may be Merlinda. But the truth is, they can get on your nerves, they can step on your toes, they can raise your kids better than you can, according to them. I mean, uh, they've always got an opinion about something, and they don't know where the line is. They don't understand personal space. I mean, you, you, you can deal with Merle's and Merlinda's all, all the time, and last week, uh, we talked about really the, the, the challenge that when Merle steps on our toes or gets on our nerves that, that we tend to respond. We, 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 it can get the best of us and then we have regrets of how we respond. We wish we wouldn't have said that but then we'll say well they just made me so angry or I wouldn't respond that way if they had just do what they said they'd do or if they just mind their own business get their nose out of mine. We'll just, but the truth is it's not about them. In fact No one chooses how you respond to the murals in your life except you. (laughs) You choose to respond a certain way. And so really what we talked about last week were these two important facts. And it was this. Out of control emotions always create chaos in your life. If 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 your emotions are controlling you versus you controlling your emotions, it will produce beautiful fruit of chaos in your life. The other thought was out of control emotions never produce. They always produce chaos. They never produce God honoring results. When our emotions are willy nilly and we're just, I mean, we're just trying to hang on for dear life because we're just saying whatever we're going to say and just get off the tracks when the train's coming through because that's how daddy was. That's how I am. That's how my kids are going to be. That's not how Christ has called us to, to live. And so... We talked about that emotion. How can we ever show them who Jesus is if we're always allowing our emotions to get the best of us? So today I want to give you another message. But the truth is, if you didn't listen to last week's, it would be helpful if you got that one down first. Because this one, um, if you don't get the out-of-control emotions dealt with, this one's going to be harder and harder for you to be taken seriously and for you to truly be able to have the kind of heart that it takes to deal with what we're talking about today. So we're going to take that step. And today we're talking about this whole idea of Merle, and it's this. You will never lock eyes with a Merle that doesn't matter to Jesus. No matter where they are, what they've done, where they've been, how good or bad, whether on the naughty list or not, you'll never lock eyes with a Merle that doesn't deeply matter to Jesus. And so to start this off, I want to I talk to you about something Jesus said Uh, Through the author of the book of Mark in the Gospels, uh, we we see this scripture in Mark chapter 1. And the scripture goes like this. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Now if you know the rest of the story, you know what he's about to say. But let's say you didn't know what the rest of the story is and all you hear was, come, follow me. Jesus is basically calling all of us to follow him and he wants to turn you into something. He wants to, he wants to see you become what he sees in heaven that you could become here on earth. He's got, he's got his eye on us and he sees that we can take next steps. And so when we say, come follow me, Jesus said, if we don't know the rest of the story, we could add to our own story. We could say, I'm going to turn you into, you know, someone who is more spiritual than you are right now. Or come follow me and I want to make you more, you know, more patient. Come follow me. I'm going to make you kind. Come follow me. I'm going to make you a better spouse. And all the other spouses said, go, go follow him, (laughs) you know. Come follow me and I'm I'm going to uh, make you benevolent and and I'm going to make you generous and and, and just come follow me. And although those are byproducts of, of following Christ, what Christ is really saying at the beginning of this gospel is come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, that doesn't seem to really jive with all this spiritual development and kindness and compassion and the character and the conduct and the convictions of Christ. It's like, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Why, why, why do we even need that? Because Jesus is saying to every one of us, once you follow me, it's not just about you following me. It's about you following me and understanding who I am and becoming more and more like me so that you can show others who I am too. This message was never meant to stop at you. But always to be, to be a, a conduit or a vessel or like a pipeline to show others who Jesus is. And so we see at the beginning of Mark chapter 1. And then when you go to the end of Mark, Mark chapter 16, you see it again. And Jesus says to his followers, those that are following him. Hey, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to who? Merle! Like, it's one thing to, like, just deal with Merle and and quietly roll your eyes to your wife about Merle-in-law, okay? But it's another thing to actually tell the world the good news to everyone, yes, 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 even Merle. So we see this and we know the front of the mark, the back of the mark. All throughout scripture, Jesus is saying, use your life to impact someone else. Your God-given potential isn't meant for you just to contain that all to yourself. You are meant to impact other people's lives. And when we read the Bible cover to cover, we see this way beyond mark. We can see it in 2 Timothy. The apostle Paul says to this young leader, you got to preach the word of God, man. Be prepared. Don't go in loosey-goosey, you know, just kind of shaken and, and just kind of who knows like a Barney Fife kind of situation. Be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not, you know how young people they say, well, we're gonna get married, but it's when we kind of get our finances all together or hey, well, you know what, we'll start, we'll start, you know, maybe going to church when like life settles down. <laughs> When, when we're financially secure, we'll have that first child. Whoops! <laughs> whether you're prepared or not, whether the time is favorable or not, you're not going to find, like, the perfect situation. So we're always on task to be catching people, to be telling people about the good news. Work at it. Work. You better work, work, work. At telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I just want to know what God's plan is for my life. Take a picture of that screen right there. That's it. Like, don't think that he's going to give you 17 other things to do with your life if you're not even willing to do what he's already said to do. This is like what we're called to do as Christians. Now listen, if you're here and you're investigating Christ, maybe you were invited by a friend today and you dip your toe in the water at church this morning, but, but as far as Jesus goes, and they, you, you understand there, there's a God and his son is Jesus, but maybe you're not really following him right now as far as uh, when you make decisions, you make it on what feels right at the moment or what you just kind of think to be right versus what does Jesus say about the matter. If you're here and that's you, you don't have to do any of this. But if you're a Christ follower, you don't get to choose. You don't get to opt out. This this is for all of us. And there are those that stand and they do this like I'm doing today or those that that, that have have a, a a special call and they 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 go across the world to do it or those that 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 have something but all of us are part of every no matter what it looks like we're all part of the ministry God has given us. So if you're a follower of Jesus, Followers fish. Followers fish. Look at the person next to you and say, Followers fish. It's just part of it. There's no opting out. Now, now, now you, Pastor, you know what? That's fine. That's fine. What I really was hoping today is you'd give me like a deep message, though. Like, I hope you were giving me something like I can sink my teeth into. And this kind of feels like surfacy, like just tell people about Jesus and whatnot. And I just don't know if this is really for me. Okay. Let me give you a deep message this morning. Stop trying to just learn more of the Bible. Live the Bible. Don't just start learning, just don't, don't, don't get stuck just learning more. Oh, I, I could tell you, I could tell you what the Greek word for rope is this morning. But what your unchurched, lost, hurting friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors would rather me do is show you how to throw them a rope instead of telling you what the Greek word for rope is. We have to be about caring because it is the heart of God, for our communities and for our families and for, that yeah, even, even Merle. Even Merle. We see it right here. We're Christ's ambassadors. There's no plan B. He is making his appeal through us. We see it in Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit comes, it doesn't come to create chaos in the church. It doesn't come for the Christian's spiritual goosebumps. The Holy Spirit is given to empower us. And when we're empowered, we're to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. What that shows us is a cycle of Jerusalem, that's our city, people right here, Judea, people close to us. Samaria, people a little bit further away that maybe aren't like us. And then the ends of the earth, people we may never know, we may never meet. Pe- people that we have not locked eyes on yet. He gives us this pattern of being witnesses. Man, I love a good law and order. You know, boom, <laughs> boom. I love it. I love, I love the, the tension between the cops trying to figure it out and then the court case. You know, objection, your honor. I love Matlock. I love, I mean, Matlock uh, is the man. Kids, Matlock was uh, a guy. (laughs) I I love a law order. I mean, you put me on like the people versus O.J. Simpson. I'm like, I already know what happened. Okay. He didn't do it, everybody. He didn't. I'm telling you. It's a joke. Um, When you think of a court case, though, and you think of it, if you've seen it at all, Uh, You can see that there are the prosecuting attorney. And their goal is what they have brought charges upon the defendant. And their goal is to prove those charges either to the judge or to the jury. And then by a jury of their peers or by the judge, there is a ruling on the case. Their job is to just like let them know this is what happened. And this is where they were. And they chopped up the body and whatever. Then you got the defense attorney and said, he wasn't there. That's not, he doesn't even own a car. What are you talking about? And then you have the judge who's sitting there and either trying the case or keeping everything in motion, determining what the actual action is going to be, whether it's going to be overruled or sustained or you name it, and he's going to make sure we guide this deal. And if there's a jury, they're going to choose what's going to happen. But the Bible says that you're not going to be the judge's you're not supposed to be the prosecuting attorney here. But yet people want to judge everybody instead of fish for people. Or, or we want to prosecute. This is what they did wrong. Can you believe it? I'm going to post that on Facebook how they were acting. Or you feel like you have to defend everything. And you're defensive, defensive, defensive. And what God's called us to be is what? Witnesses. And the witnesses, they say, here's what I saw. Here's what I know. Here's where I was. Uh, Here's what what my experience is. Whatever happens, whatever the ruling is, whatever you decide, judge, this is what I've seen. It's like the blind man who Jesus, like, spits in the dirt, makes mud, does this awesome... Facial mask on, on the blind man. It was born blind. And, and when they peel off the mask and he dips in the water, he is completely healed. And he's like, Whoa, colors, whoa, this is amazing. And the, the, the courtroom, they pull him in, and the Pharisees say, Well, what exactly happened? We want to know what happened here. And he said, I don't know what to tell you. I was blind, and like, I'm not. That's all I can say. I was blind and now I'm not. That's my experience. And he's called us being empowered by the spirit. This is what we've seen. This is who Jesus is. This is my witness to him and his goodness. We're called to be those witnesses. And it's not just to a crowd. If you're waiting for the crowd, let's talk about one Merle at a time. It's just one Merle at a time. And evangelism can be a little scary when we use the word evangelism. We may think of something on television, you know, hey, come down to the altar right now. Ha! You, you, you might think of somebody that just likes to sweat really hard and, and, and yell at you, or 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 and I would say, I would venture to say that most of you, when you found Christ, it wasn't because someone was slapping you around, sweating real hard, and yelling in your face. Probably you grew in Christ because there was relationship. Involved somewhere, and one role at a time is not about giving knowledge. It's about it's about having relationship one person at a time. So there's a few steps that we take to do this. I want to make give you some simple stuff. Just some simple steps that that they're simple, but if they were so simple to practice, we'd all be doing them. So even though they're simple, it's going to take. Boldness and courage for you to engage what God is calling you to do as you follow him. So step one, become aware. Like at least just be aware of what's happening around us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, I'm aware that my work was to plant the seed in hearts. And Apollos, another, another evangelist, another uh, apostle. Apollos', Apollos was work was to water it. But it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. We're not designed to bring the spiritual growth ourselves. But we are designed to cast the net and to just plant and to just water. You see the imagery that Jesus shows us. And so Sam Williams uh, saw this quote the other day. Evangelism it's not yelling at anybody it's not it's not preaching about it's not even getting people saved it's helping people discover how god is already at work in their lives you know what happens is sometimes we think that evangelism starts when someone actually asks jesus to be the lord of their life but do you know that god's work in their life starts way before they say jesus save me it starts way before that moment where they become a new life in christ and so on your notes you can see there's a negative 6 all the way to a plus four, God is moving way beyond an altar call, way beyond a prayer, way beyond a church service. He's always navigating. And he wants you to take this message to people. Can I, can I pause here and just say something? The whole world is not gonna come inside the walls of a church. It's just not gonna happen. There's not enough churches. There's not enough church. For, for the whole world to come inside the church, But Jesus did not command us in the the Gospels to have the whole world. He did call us, compel them to come in that his house would be full. But he didn't just say, bring the world into my house. He actually commissioned the the church to go to the world. So yes, the world will come to the church, but not all, all of them. But you as the body of Christ or as the church, you go to the world. And when you go to the world, you you see people on a journey. They're taking next steps. It's not pagan, saved, pastor. You know, that may be my story, you know. But you you don't just see that. There's some progressions. So let's look at these progressions. So like a negative six, right, is someone who's resistant to the message of Jesus. And there may be all kinds of different thoughts and process that would, would lead them to have this feeling to be resistant push back cold shoulder nah not for me hey if you 're going to start that conversation again we're, we're just going to end it right now i'm not, I'm not ready don't talk to me la 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 okay let me go on just leave me alone please stop please stop trolling me on Facebook I, I, I don't need another picture that you, for you to post on my Facebook page of a sunset with a cross and a sash people are resistant because Most, more than likely, they've been hurt, they've got some insecurities, they feel guilt, they feel shame. They may be in a place where when they're resistant, they have misconceptions about God. Maybe they think that God's just the big man upstairs and, and, you know, if I'm a good person and you're a good person and I don't do, as long as what I'm doing isn't hurting anybody, then I guess everything is going to be okay. That's misconceptions. All people go to heaven. Even dogs go to heaven. And we're just gonna, just gonna, just all love each other, kind of how we see fit. And your truth is my truth. And there's misconceptions. Then there's also rejections. Rejections like, God is a mean God. God, God doesn't care. God is mad. Um, the church is full of hypocrites. Uh, I, I don't need, I don't need a God to tell me what to do. I, I make my own future. And there's resistance here. Maybe you know someone who's, that right now is where they're living. Then you've got someone who's receptive. And they've moved from being resistance, push away, put the, you know, no, uh, uh, stiff arm them, to they're willing to hear, they're, they're willing to, to just receive what you have to say. They may, it, they may be singing the next popular Taylor Swift song in their head as they're listening to you, but at least they're listening and not pushing you away. And they're receptive. The next step, as we go to a negative four, is now someone's moved from being resistant and receptive to to now, okay, maybe I need to figure something out. Um, I've been doing life this way for a long time, and I keep getting the same results, and maybe I need to search out something else. And so they begin seeking. And they're in this process of maybe you have a wayward child. Maybe you have a spouse. They're seeking. And they're seeking different Places for happiness or fulfillment or the meaning to life. And we know Jesus gives hope and he's the truth and he is the life. But they're seeking and they haven't quite found the truth yet. From seeking to now they're considering the gospel message that, that God loved the world so much he gave his one and only son. And that son lived a perfect sinless life and then died a death. He did not deserve to die, but he paid the price that it costs for us to be connected in relationship with him through that sacrifice. Three days later, he rose again, and then he gives opportunity for us to find fullness and hope in a relationship with him. And someday he's coming back, and we're going to be with him in a new heaven and new earth for eternity. That's the gospel message, and they're considering their life without the message and with the message and they consider what their life is looking like right now and the truth is everybody goes through curveballs in life don't they whether you're following Jesus or not you go through some curveball of life some detours some left-hand turns and if you have hope in Christ you can deal with the curveball but if you've been hitting if you've been swinging and missing you you're, there's comes a time where you begin to consider maybe I'm missing something in my life from Considering we go to number two, and that is we begin to understand. Maybe it's not about what I could ever do. Maybe it's about what he did. Maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe I don't make a great savior for myself. Maybe I need someone to look to beyond me. Maybe maybe this, he is who he says he is, and I need to respond to that. And we get to one, and we're We're ready. And we're ready and all we're waiting on, someone's waiting on an invitation, an invite to join new life. As I was talking about this, I looked over into this row over here in first service and I saw a young couple. And, and the, the wife of this couple, last Christmas was her first time to serve. And she said, my husband doesn't know Jesus, not really a follower of Christ, not even really interested in church. I'm hoping he starts coming, and and will you pray with me? And right there by that door over there on the Christmas services, I just put my arm around her like this. We just prayed that her husband would just come to church and just be engaged. And sure enough, in the new year, he starts coming and, and begins listening and hearing. They were both sitting there in first service. And it come to the point where he was resistant. But then he started seeking, You know, kind of finding moments where actually He was getting ready for church before she was. She's like, okay, okay, okay. And she said that many times when they're ready, when we bring people in and we invite our our, our, uh, friends and neighbors to come to church with us. And maybe they don't know Jesus. And every Sunday, including today, everybody, I say, hey, would you close your eyes and just bow your heads? And I give people an opportunity to make the Lord Jesus the Savior and Lord of their life. And I say, hey, everybody, close your eyes, and, and, and please no looking around. It's just between you and God. But if you bring someone, don't tell them, but you can peek. You can peek. Because if you bring someone who's church, you can, you can open one eye. You can open one eye and look and see if they raise a hand. You can do it. I'll let you do that. It's okay. Because someday it's going to be the best day of their life, and it's going to be so fulfilling to you because someday you keep bringing that friend. They're finally going to say, I need Jesus to be my Savior. And this, this wife had been faithful and faithful, and they'd been coming to church, and it was the middle of this year, and finally, fi- she was peeking. She was just peeking every Sunday, just peeking. Nothing. She's like, Did he move his hand? Did he move his hand? Peeking. And there was a sermon that I preached, and she said, Oh, this is the day. This is the day. And when I said, shoot a hand up in the air to receive Christ as your Savior, she looked, and he didn't move, and she was so discouraged. She said, oh, I'm so upset. Why won't he do this? And the very next Sunday, she says to me, she told me this story. She goes, then I was really concerned because you went like, you did a whole different thing than you normally do, and everybody was standing. It was the end of worship. And you said, if you want to follow Christ, I want to invite you just on the count of three to step out where you are and just come down to the front. And I'm like, oh. Well, he's not. He won't even raise his hand. He's not going to do that. And I said one, two, three, and she she looked up, and he was halfway down the the aisle, and he was walking. And he and 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 I remember I remember that day because she came with him, and she she just ugly crying all over the place. Oh God. And he was standing there somewhat stoically, but you knew God was moving on his life and he was ready. And, and I know that you've got some friends and some loved ones and you've got a spouse and you've got, you got a wayward child and you're waiting for them to be ready and they're not and you wish you would. They would be there, but they're over here. Their time's coming, everybody. Stay faithful. God, I pray right now in the middle of this sermon for those that have a loved one, for those that have a child, for those that have a grandson or granddaughter, they just, just not ready. But you do what only you can do and grow the garden in their heart. We'll keep planting. We'll keep watering. But God, just do what you can do. And we'll keep trusting you as we wait for the salvation of the Lord. In Jesus' name. But once we get to this invitation, everybody, it's so cool because then we start this new life in Christ. And as we've started the new life in Christ, we don't go from new life in Christ to super huge, awesome power ranger disciple, right? There's a process, you know, you don't gather up, go, (laughs) you know, like, anyway, (laughs) new life in Christ. And from there, it's not about even growing. The, The next step for someone, for you and for me, is belonging. It's belonging to a group. It's belonging to the body, you know, the body, you can see that imagery of the, of the body of Christ. We're not all heads, we're not all thumbs, we're not all ears, we're not all eyes. What happens in the church is we want everybody to see the way we see. Well, you're an eye, and they're an ear. And when an eye gets upset that an ear can't see, things are, we got issues. Let them be the ear, you be the eye. We, we, we have to learn to belong as the body of Christ. And you know, the best way we do that is not in rows like this, it's in groups. It's in groups. We're in a break right now, but in the beginning of the new year, we're launching new groups. Not only groups designed uh, in the midweek to help you grow deeper in Christ, but all groups are designed to help you belong and grow in relationship with Christ and one another. Belonging is the key. Then we move into part plus two, and now we're beginning to grow. You don't grow out on an island, it's why we need each other. Iron sharpens iron. You don't, just, you, don't, you don't just wave your sword through, through the air, you're, you know, an iron, you know, air and being solo sharpens your sword. It's, it's togetherness. Then we move into serving. And serving is so critical because there's a lot of what God has for you. Listen to me, friends. There's a lot of what God has for you that you'll never realize. There's blessings in store for those that serve that you won't get if you're not serving. It's just you're saved you love Jesus. He loves you. You're on your way to heaven. But there are blessings on this side of eternity that you won't ever see if you don't serve. And I can give you a perfect example of this is when Jesus is tired and the disciples are tired and they're, 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 they're hungry. They're hungry. The disciples were not them when they're hungry. And Jesus didn't carry around a bunch of Snickers bars. And Jesus is hungry and the disciples are hungry and they're going to go away. But the crowd keeps following them and they're hungry and Jesus has compassion. You know that Jesus, always being compassionate and whatnot. And he says to the disciples, let's give these guys something to eat. And the disciples are making excuses. Man, you know how much money it would take to go through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and get everybody something right now, Jesus? Because you know Jesus would have given Chick-fil-A. That's not what was available that day. It It was... it was drive through through Long John Silvers. That's what it was. It was some bread and some fish. And this little boy had just gotten from Long John Silvers. has got his bread and has got his fish. And they take it and they put it in the hands of Jesus. And he prays and he breaks it and he blesses it. And he, and he hands it out. And he says to the 12, I know you're tired. I, I, I know you're cranky. I know you're hungry too. But if you can look beyond yourself and serve, just let's just see what happens. And so not only did they get to participate in the miracle that was happening? And can I tell you, every Sunday, when people walk through the door that are hurting and they leave with hope, when you serve, you're participating in the miracle. So what happens is they start handing it out and what they thought was just gonna feed like Jesus, it started feeding this group and that group and that group and that group and thousands and thousands and thousands, 5,000 plus people are fed. And then, then when everybody's like, Oh, thanks, Jesus. See you tomorrow. They're all walking down the hill, and, and the disciples are collecting scraps. There's 12 disciples, and they pull up. They got how many basketfuls did they find? Did they get? How many? You remember? 12 basketfuls of scraps that those disciples didn't just give to people, they got to take home for themselves. There are surprise blessings in store. For people that serve. So that whole thing Pastor Dan was talking about, the one serve at Christmas. And if you're not serving, maybe you served at one time. You said, "Now it's time for me to pass the baton and let somebody else do it. Because Lord knows I am sick of those kids and kid works. (laughs) Take a break. Take a break. We don't want you killing any kids. But after you take a break, don't take a break that lasts 14 years. Take a break. Take a breath. And then get back those blessings that only come when we serve. And it doesn't stop there. We then share. That is is new life in Christ. It's not just knowing more about the B-I-B-L-E. It's the book for me. It's belonging and growing and serving and then not keeping it to ourselves and sharing. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But we got to share it. How, who can ask them to save, to, for him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And it's our job to become aware of where people are. So stop trying to grab somebody by the nap of the neck who's, who's resistant and you want them to bow and knee to Christ. Go along with them in the journey, okay? I've got a lot of time. I've got to hustle up now. Commit to prayer. Become aware. Commit to prayer. And I'm just going to tell you right now, number three is going to rhyme too. Okay? Number three is going to rhyme too. All right? So be aware. Become aware. Commit to prayer. Now, here's what the deal. I... I Put your phone. If you have a phone and you want to know how to pray for your loved ones that are, that are unchurched or lost, don't know Jesus, I'd encourage you to put your phone on silent, turn the flash off, and I, you can look those scriptures up, but you can also take a picture of the big screen because I'm going to show you some scriptures, and then I'm going to give you, right after I show you the scripture, a prayer that you can pray this week. Five simple one-sentence prayers that you can pray over your murals in your life. Okay, so if you want those scriptures and you want those prayers, I encourage you to take a picture of these because these are not in your study notes. So the first one, Jesus said, don't bicker bicker among yourselves over me. You're not in charge here. The Father who sent me is in charge, and he draws people to me. The Father draws people to Jesus. That's the only way you'll ever come. Only then do I do my work putting people together, setting them on their feet. So the prayer that we can pray as we pray this scripture is this. Father, draw Merle to Jesus. Father, draw Merle to Jesus. Another scripture, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel. Of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. That's how people can come to a church service week in or week out or occasionally or whenever. Christmas and Easter, we call them Christers. They can come a couple of times a year and they can hear the gospel but they don't respond to it until later on they say, oh, it's because when they were hearing, they were blind to it. The God of this age, the, the, the enemy uh, the, has just blinded them. And they can't see. And so if they can't see, they can't quite hear. But then when they hear and the, the blindness is taken off, the blinders are taken off their eyes, there's this ah, aha moment. And we want to be praying that over our friends. And here's what we would pray. Jesus, would you remove the spiritual blindness in Merle's mind so they will see you clearly? Who they think they're seeing? and They're not seeing. They're not seeing you. They're just blind. Give them sight. Another scripture, Romans 8. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. As I was waiting in the Tel Aviv airport to go back, to the states, I watched as a young toddler running in the waiting area before we got through, uh, through the gate and onto the plane. And this this little Jewish toddler fell and began to cry and, and stood up and their father was on the edge of the row of seats and began kind of running to their dad and was just saying, Abba, Abba, Abba. And which just means father, means dad. And dad scooped up the child and he was a um, devout Jew and had some locks and some curls on the side of his face and, and, and uh, just kind of cuddled him for a moment. And then the, 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 the whole emotion changed and the baby began to say, the toddler began to say, Abba, Abba. And he began to tickle him, Abba. God is personal, and he loves you very, very much. And when we hurt and when we laugh, we can do so in the presence of not a God who's mad at us, but a God who's mad about us. In the scripture, we would pray because many people don't see God that way. They see him as the angry man upstairs, the big cheese, you name it. God, I ask that Merle would not see you as a philosophy, but as a loving parent. Matthew 9, so pray to the one in charge of the harvesting and ask him to recruit more workers for his harvest fields. There's people that need to get out there and, and share. So we, 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 to pray that scripture, we say, we pray it like this. If I can touch the screen. Jesus, I pray that good believers, not bad believers, because you know there's some bad believers out there. There's some goofballs you do not want your kids coming in contact with when they go off to college. Am I right? Yes, exactly. You're like, God... Cross them with good believers, not goofy believers and definitely not a cult. I pray that good believers will cross Merle's path and that they will become friends. Because maybe you're not reaching them right now. And you raised them better than that. You raised them better than that. And you have higher expectations of them than that. And maybe your words just right now, right now. There were things that my dad would say to me that I couldn't hear. I just couldn't hear it. And he was trying to help me. And I loved that he wasn't my best friend growing up. He's one of the greatest friends I could ever have now as an adult. But he wasn't my friend. He was my parent. That's a big deal. Moms walking around with sweatpants that both say the same thing on their butts, trying to be friends instead of a parent. Whoops. Back it up. I'm just going to like. It. We just just got to be parents and, and know that there are other people that are going to cross their path. And it's a prayer that we've got to pray for our kids and our grandkids, our friends, our spouses. Finally, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that... When we ask for wisdom and revelation, sometimes it's to make a wise decision or make a financial deal or fix a problem. But really, he's saying the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better, just to know him better. In the prayer we're praying over our loved ones and friends and Merls, Jesus, I pray you would reveal to Merle who you really are and what you've done for them so they can truly know you. Number three, show you care. Show you care. So become aware, commit to prayer, And because I'm a pastor, it's got to rhyme. Show you care. The old statement is, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. You can know a lot of things, but knowing really doesn't just save people. It's, It's the kindness, as Dan was saying, leads to repentance. Show that you care. The scripture says it like this in 1 Corinthians. I voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose living moralist, they're friends with me on Facebook, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever it is, any moral that I come in contact with, I didn't take on their way of life. You know, I'm not trying to become a servant and say, okay, yeah, pass me the weed too and let me tell you about Jesus. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And that's the difference between learning more of the Bible and living more of the Bible. So number four, be ready to share. Be aware, commit to prayer. Show them you care. Be ready to share. Now, why do we drive this value into our children? Isn't it true that after mom and dad, one of the first words our kids learn is, mine. Mine. They want it. They want it. I've said it before, my son, That's like that was his go-to phrase. And it was driving in the car said, "If you say, I want it one more time on this trip, so help me. We're going to pull off the side of this road, and, and Daddy's going to deal with you. Because all I do is give you lollipops and suckers, and I love you very much. Because <laughs> I want it. So don't say it again." And then he whispered, "But I want it." <laughs> and so we, we know that it's good to share as kids, but we've got to be ready to share. I love this scripture in First Peter. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? Gentleness and? So there's a protocol. There's a protocol to talking about it. And as I give you these last few fill in the blanks, I hope you'll really take this and engage it today. Engage it this week. The first one, be ready to answer those who ask. Some of you are trying to answer questions of people that they aren't even asking. You're you're, you're trying to open your mouth, drink the living water. (laughs) They're not at the ready yet. They're not ready yet. They're maybe receptive, maybe seeking, but you're going to make them resistant. You keep trying to like beat them over the head with the King James. Be ready to answer those who ask. Answer with your hope and confidence. You can't answer with just a message from Pastor Jeremy. And you can't answer just on on just the hope and confidence that your grandma had or your parents have. You have to know Jesus for you. What he's done in your life. How he's been active in your life. And it's that hope that he gives us that you can answer with your hope and confidence. Next, you'd say your attitude is just as important as your answer because you can have the right answer, and the right answer said the wrong way will produce the wrong results every single time. We've said it before like this. If you're rude, even when you're right, you're wrong. If you you take the wrong emotion and you have the right answer, but you don't show the emotion in the right way, if you don't handle it in the right way, you can have a right answer, but given in the wrong way is not going to be received. And finally... Your best answer, you know what your best answer is? Is your simple story. Your simple story. Hey, what's your story? You know, Kirsten, what's your story? Like, what's, what's your story of where you got to where you are today? Now, if I put you on the spot like that, or if I say, hey, Janet, stand up and tell me your story. Mark, tell me your story. Some of you would be quick to be able to respond Some of you would have to think about it. Maybe it's just because it's in a crowd. But a lot of us, a lot of us would probably wing it because we really haven't thought about it. And so what I want to, I want to challenge you with one piece of homework. I know we're in the hustle, bustle, the craziness, the busy of the season. I mean, it's just like nuts. You are running, you are burning your end with both candles trying to get Christmas done. But I challenge you, take 10 minutes and do some homework this week and answer these questions. Where were you before Christ? What kind of life were you living? What kind of hope did you have? What kind of direction were you taking? Then you began following Jesus. You were ready. You invited. You began new life in Christ. And how did that change you? How did it change you? I, I think all of us could have a A 30-second elevator response to those three questions not talking about to write a book I grew up in the church I asked Jesus to become into my heart when I was five years old after a Sunday night church service my dad was preaching and I came home and I, I said to my parents I need to I need to ask Jesus into my heart and my mom was taking her makeup off and right there at the porcelain altar with my with my elbows on the toilet put my hands together, and my dad led me right there as my mom had makeup, half off of her face. I said, Jesus, come into my heart. And you know, since then, I drifted, and I went and I did things my own way up into high school, and, and it wasn't until the, really this, the, the, the summer of between my junior and senior year that I just, it just clicked to me, and I just knew that it wasn't a, about how much my parents loved Jesus. It, it was about my relationship with Jesus. And he just, like, something clicked. And I had the right friends. And they pushed me to become more like Jesus. And I pursued that. And I found a wife who wanted the same things. And and Jesus changed my life because I wasn't just a church-going pastor's kid. It, may, it was personal to me. There's no amount of prayers that can push me into heaven it's about my heart surrendered to God that's how I changed my life and I see that in my kids and I see it in my and I'm not perfect and golly I should not have preached a message on anger last week because this whole week has like been my wife saying mm, did you take notes <laughs> she never said that she wanted to I promise you I'm serious, we were driving to Nacogdoche she said, I'm gonna say something right now but you know what, I'm not going to. You know why? Because I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I said, oh, why don't you say it right now? Oh, I will bless God. I'm saying it in my mind right now. It wasn't maybe exactly like that but know your story, everybody because it's the best answer you can give. You're trying to quote scripture, and that's great to know the word because you really don't really understand your story until you know the word who became flesh, and that is Jesus. But, man, know your story, and maybe you're here today, and your story is yet to be written because you've been before new life. Maybe you're ready today. I end with a story I've shared before, but I I thought it would be fitting for this in the Christmas season, in the spirit of Christmas junior year of high school uh, Christian Center Academy in Wichita, Kansas um, we had high school lunch, it was small enough where all the high schoolers were in one lunch period and I would eat my lunch and my mom would pack it every every, to- every day and she was a gourmet chef so we had a, either a lunchable or Chef RD or PB&J a bag of chips Maybe a little pack of mini carrots that I would throw away. And then on top, the blessings of Jesus Himself from His daughter, little Debbie. <laughs> the savory sweetness of a Savior. Zebra cakes. Can I get. A witness, yes. <laughs> That's how most you praise the Lord all morning. Lord have mercy. And I love those zebra cakes. I still do. Oh my goodness. Janet buys them for the kids' lunches, and she's like, Where'd all the zebra cakes go? And I'm like, What? <laughs> yeah. I love zebra cakes. And I've shared this before, and I've I've literally, for my birthday now, for a few years in a row, have had people bring me zebra cakes up to the office for my birthday. Because they know I love zebra cakes. Well, there's another guy in my class. We'll call him Dante, because that's his name. And Dante, at the end of lunch, he wouldn't sit with me. We weren't tight. Like, we weren't, like, bros. But we were all on the same basketball team. Um, Yes, I did play basketball. Okay, stop judging. I could get that water in those guys' mouths real quick. (laughs) And uh, Dante would slide, like, totally, like, just Play ya, just like slide across the bench at the cafeteria. Slide up and bump up against me right at the end of lunch. And he'd say, J-Y, don't hide it, divide it. And he wasn't talking about my Lunchable. He was talking about my zebra cakes. And, and, and reluctantly, I didn't want to, but reluctantly, I'd give him a zebra cake. And it got a little old, though. Like, it was Pavlov's dogs. The moment we sat down for lunch, Dante was looking at me, just waiting for me to pull out the sweet goodness. And so I started talking to my mom. I said, well, you know what? We'll just pack another zebra cake, and you can still give him one, and then you can have yours. So she started packing me, too. Mom, Mom, I rise up and call you blessed. Proverbs 31 woman right there giving me the zebra cakes. I got to shut up. Here we go. So I later found out that it wasn't just Dante, like, mooching off of me. He didn't, he didn't have a dad at home, three siblings, a mom who worked two jobs, scholarship to the school. They, it's not that he was eating his stuff and then just wanted to take mine. Like, he didn't have stuff like that, simple stuff like that in the cupboard. Like, he just, they didn't have those little things that we take for granted all of a sudden it made a whole lot easier for me to give him those zebra cakes. And just like when you meet Jesus and when you know him and you know it's not about what you could ever do to earn anything from him but he just loves you so much and he wants personal relationship with you and it's not just you inviting him to your life but he has been inviting you long before you ever knew to invite him. It just makes us not want to keep that to ourselves Don't hide it, divide it. And the cool thing is, the same way Jesus broke the bread and split the fish, he will share his story and share his hope and share his grace to way more than just you and way more than just me. There's plenty to go around, everybody. Don't hide it, divide it. Would you pray with me this morning? Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here and you need boldness and courage to apply this message because you love Jesus but you've not been on point when it comes to sharing or maybe you thought it was more difficult or maybe you've been intimidated by it, but you'd like boldness and courage to follow these steps. Of committing to prayer and being aware and, and caring for people and then ready to share if that's you and you want that boldness and courage it only comes from God that gives us the empowerment to be that witness if that's you would you just put a hand up in the air and I want to pray over you and yeah, me too and I don't want an opportunity to go by where I miss it Jesus I pray for boldness and courage the boldness to know that you are the God who draws and woos people and the Courage that we would step out of our comfort zone and just with the simple story, just with the kindness and compassion, just, just, just committing to prayer this week, that they would be engaged in looking beyond themselves and they'd be about following him and catching people. You can put your hands down. But before we open our eyes, maybe you're here and you weren't ready when you came in, but you're ready now. You're here and you realize... I've been trying to run this thing called life on my own. And I feel like my tank is, is empty or man, my hands are full. I'm tired of carrying this stuff. I don't know what to do next. What's my next step? How, how do I? How do I invite Jesus to be the center of my life? Well, you you simply start by surrender. You, you surrender. That's your first step. And the way you surrender is by admitting that you are not good enough to be your own savior and your own God and your own Lord. And if you would believe that it's not even just you not being your own God, but it's him and believe that he is who he says he is and wants to give you new life through him. Confess that your mouth and believe it in your heart. That's your surrender. And if you're here today and you'd like me to pray with you, I, you want me to lead you in a, in a simple prayer that helps you surrender to Jesus today, I, I'd love to. I'd love to get you in on that prayer today. If that's you and you need to ask Jesus to be the Savior and the center of your life, not going to embarrass you, but just with boldness, would you just shoot a hand straight up in the air? I need Jesus to be the center of my life today. Help me, Pastor. I want to I be led in a prayer that would acknowledge Jesus as my Savior. Yeah, put your hand up. Put your hand up. Are you still here? You need anybody else need to put a hand up? Before we pray, anybody else? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. You can put your hands down. Even if you didn't raise your hand, but you feel it in your heart, that's okay. You can pray this prayer too. In fact, everybody in the congregation, we're all gonna pray this out loud together so you know that you're not alone in this, okay? And the prayer would just go like this. Just repeat it after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ who died on the cross for me. Jesus, I admit to you today I don't wanna be in charge of my life. I make a terrible savior. Would you save me? Give me a fresh start today. You are the God of the world. and You died for me. And you rose for me. And I wanna follow you. I want your heart to be my heart and so I surrender today thank you for not being mad at me but loving me so much that you would give me today to make things right with you I am a Christian I'm not perfect but he is and I want to follow him in Jesus name amen
1: amen would you make some noise for those that have made decisions for Christ today this is what it's all about guys every Sunday we get together we sing some songs we we pray we prepare we turn the lights on but it's all about you sir you ma'am making that decision to invite Jesus to come into your life and let me Uh, Allow me to remind you that it was the Spirit of God who drew you to this point. And He doesn't just draw you to this point and let you go. It's just the beginning. He's going to walk with you from this point on. Amen? Those of you that have been serving Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. He doesn't leave you by yourself. He doesn't leave you orphaned. But this is just the beginning. And so those of you that have made decisions to follow Christ today, would you help us? We want to know about it. Take that Connect card located in the seat back pocket in front of you. Fill that out. Take that out to our next Steps booth. We want to help you to know how to belong here at Timber Creek Church. Let's stand together. What an incredible day. Listen, next Sunday is Christmas. We're we're going to celebrate big. Two services on Saturday, two services on Sunday. Guys, we've got a table full of material out there. Listen, this has an expiration date on it. It's not going to be any good after next Sunday. So grab a handful of them, post them up at your workplace, um, office place, Hand them out to your neighbors, put it on your, your neighbor's windshield, do whatever you got to do, invite somebody to be a part of it. Oh, and one last thing, Pastor Jeremy brought his lunchbox today, we don't have enough for everybody, but you're going to walk walk away today with some zebra cakes. Hey, don't hide it, divide it. God bless you guys, we'll see you next time.